to Survive, the story of Mira O'Connell's journey from victim to survivor. Episode 2, Reclaiming My Life. This episode is brought to you by Warrior Workshops by Mira O'Connell, a half-day empowerment workshop where all participants will come away with a greater sense of power and control over their own personal safety and learn useful techniques for crime prevention as well as how to use self-defense tools. Learn more today by going to my website, www.thewilltosurvive.com. That's thewill2survive.com. As the days began to unfold before me on my journey to recovery, I had to come up with a plan. It was kind of an action plan to decide how I was going to get my life back to normal, how I was going to heal my mind and body and psyche of the trauma that it had experienced. I didn't necessarily write down an action plan. I just kind of came up with one in my head. I felt like the best thing that I could do was to work through everything. It was like a ring of fire, I said. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. Sometimes you just have to go right through it. And I felt like the quicker that I could get through that ring of fire, the quicker I could get on with my life. I decided to only miss one day of work. On Monday, when I stayed home from work, I called my home insurance company to file a claim. I didn't even think about filing a claim with my insurance company until someone had suggested it. I only thought about home insurance for like flood or fire or things like that. But since I had been a victim of a crime, they said that I could replace the flooring in all the rooms where the crime had occurred. That, of course, included the bedroom. But since I ran down the hallway and through my living room, they also said they would cover those rooms. They told me there'd be a $500 deductible. And I didn't think about how I was going to come up with that at the time, but it was just one of the many things on my list that I had to get done to get through my process to start healing. I decided the next day to go to work, and even though looking back on it, it seemed rather quick to go back to work only just a few days after such a traumatic event, it felt like getting back to my routine would be the best way to get back to a new normal. I remembered that one of the guys at work told me one time that he did work on flooring. He laid tile and carpet and all sorts of things like that. So when the insurance company told me I could get new flooring, I thought of him right away. He said he'd be happy to come out to the house to get me an estimate. Someone had arranged to get donations from people at work for me. That really helped down the road. I ended up using the money from those donations to buy a new bed frame. A local company called Tima actually sold me the frame at an employee discount. My friend that I was staying with for a few weeks after the attack, she worked there and was able to arrange that. And then another college friend bought me a new mattress. I felt very supported by my community during this time. My bosses and coworkers were so supportive. People were very respectful. Most people had seen what had happened on the news, but no one cried. 
No one asked to get more details. Many people gave me cards of condolences. The following day, the Wednesday the 24th, was a big day. My ex-husband graciously met several people at my house to help start the process of fixing the house up and cleaning it up from the crime scene that it was. After work, he met the guy that worked with me at the house. He did all the measurement for the flooring and was able to give me a very reasonable estimate. I know that he was doing it so low, mainly because of what I had been through, but I very much appreciated it. My ex-husband also met the cleaning crew that day and let them into the home. They were a special crew for biohazard material, and they disinfected anything that they could. What they couldn't clean up on site had to be removed. In their invoice, they listed blood-stained linens, pillows, different miscellaneous items that were on the floor, even a Turkish handkerchief that one of my friends from high school had given me. I was sad that I lost that. The things that they couldn't easily dispose of, like the carpet and padding, they actually had to cut out of in certain areas of the bedroom. They didn't remove all the carpeting, just portions of it. I never actually saw those things. I didn't go back to the house for over a week. After work, I decided to go see a chiropractor. He was a guy that had gone to my church for many years, and I thought this was the perfect time to do some body work. Another lady also came one evening to the house and gave me a massage. She was a friend of my neighbor's. I knew in times like this that trauma and stress is held in our bodies, so it, it was so important to allow the body to release these emotions through body work like chiropractic and massage therapy. It really accelerated the healing process. The next day, the insurance company came out and did an inspection of the home. Not only did they decide to replace the flooring, but also the new sliding glass door. They said they'd also reimburse me for things that were damaged during the incident. The things that had to be thrown away by the biohazard crew. And other items like the box fan and miscellaneous items that were in the bedroom. Those things I didn't want to keep around. I didn't want them to be a reminder of what happened that night. I wanted a fresh start, not only in my life, but also with the things that surrounded me. I got a call from my minister, and he said that they had taken a collection at church and that people had donated several hundred dollars. I thought that was wonderful, and that could help me with my deductible. My realtor, who was such a nice woman, donated the rest of my deductible. A neighborhood glass company came and replaced my sliding glass door. The police had said that the glass door had pry marks on it. They thought that's where the man had broken into the house. The men's group of my church offered to come and help me redo some of the house, such as painting and other maintenance. On the last day of that week, the first week after the attack, 
I went and picked out my new flooring. I wanted something that wasn't dark. The house when I bought it had brown shag carpet. It looked like it had come from the 70s. And it had wood paneling on most of the walls. So the house had a very dark and musk feel to it. And I wanted that to be completely changed. My life had completely changed. So I also wanted my surroundings now to be completely changed. I picked out a medium wood stained laminate flooring. Before I was in the incident, I was a very plain person. White walls, plain simple things. But after the incident, I wanted color in my life. I decided I was going to paint the walls of the rooms different colors. And then I wanted beautiful things to surround me. I wanted to be filled with serenity, and I felt like the first place to start was to make my surroundings serene. And I wanted to pick out colors that really made me feel happy. I picked out a nice mustard color for the living room and a sage color for my bedroom, the lavender color for another bedroom, and then I went with gray for the bathroom. There was hardly a room that was white any longer, and that's the way I wanted it. I wanted it to be very different than it was before. That weekend, the first weekend after the attack, my mom flew me out to Austin to spend time with her and some of her friends at one of her business functions. When I got back, my house had been transformed from a crime scene into the beginnings of a new home. The new flooring and the wood paneling being removed from the walls really brightened up the house. And the men's group had began to come after hours to start working on the rest of the house. They pried off the dark wood paneling in the living room and we found wallpaper that it looked like it had been there since the 1950s. It had to be repaired in many places. Some areas never were even drywalled underneath the wood paneling. So there's a lot of work that had to be done. And one man in particular who became a lifelong friend came over several times to help make sure that everything was complete in time for the whole group to do the painting. I wasn't sure why people were being so wonderful, but it meant so much to me. I really didn't know how I would get through this without all of these people behind me, supporting me, urging me on, even when I had difficult moments. Knowing that people were there to help me and support me made me feel like I could do this, even in my moments of doubt. And once the paint started going up, the splashes of color seemed to breathe life back into the home. In the bedroom, where the incident occurred, there was a bullet still in the wall. The police said that they couldn't get it out, and so they just left it. So one of the men from the men's group fixed the wall 
and made it look whole again. I couldn't even tell where the hole had been at one time. My dad also came by during that time and installed all new door locks and other security devices such as a Johnny bar on the sliding door. An alarm company named Dynamic Security had heard about my story on the news and contacted me to donate an entire alarm system free of charge. It included free installation and one year of monitoring. I was so amazed that he would do something like that, the owner, but it gave me such a great sense of relief and reassurance. Anytime you opened the door, it would chime. So I felt like no one would ever again be able to come into my house through one of the windows or the doors without me realizing it. The first three weeks, I did not sleep at my house. But part of my plan to reclaim my life was to slowly but surely expose myself to things that may make me feel uncomfortable, things that may remind me of the attack, so I could drive out any hidden trauma, any little area in my psyche that may be upset, and get myself back on track to being independent and living alone again. I didn't rush myself, though or the healing process. I began breaking myself into being back in my new home. I did it in baby steps. That seemed like the most natural way to me. First, I came over during my lunch break during work, and then I came over after work. But I only went to the house during the daylight hours. Residual trauma is very interesting. During the day, I could spend time in the home without any anxiety. It didn't remind me of the attack because it wasn't in the night. It was difficult the first night that I spent the night there. I remember my son was there and my mother was there. And my son came to my door when I was sleeping and it startled me. I had several friends and family come over during the next few weeks to stay with me. When I was back in my house full-time, neighbors that I had never met before brought me wonderful things such as food and cards of condolence. They wanted to show support for me and let me know that they were there if I needed them. Many people helped in so many ways. My dad's minister came over and blessed the house after the repairs were done. He also brought me a surprise. He brought a beautiful black Labrador named Shadow. And even though Labs are not guard dogs by any means, she was a great alarm dog. I felt so wonderful knowing that it would be harder for someone to sneak up on me. She would give me some kind of fair warning. And she also served as a great companion for years to come for me and my son. We loved her very much. After a month of transforming the house into a place where I felt safe and secure, I decided it was important for me to formalize my new home with a ceremony of sorts. To officially take back my house by having a house reclaiming party. 
So in mid-August, almost one month after my attack, all of my friends and neighbors supported me by joining me at my house to celebrate my life and to make my house a home again. I told people that I wanted beautiful items that would bring me joy and that would give me comfort in my surroundings. During the party, it was wonderful to have all the support of my friends. One friend brought me a gorgeous print of a strong woman that I had hanging in my house for many years. My cousin sent me a unique fountain so that I could have flowing water. It is said to disrupt negative energy. One man from church brought his sage sticks so that he could smudge my home. Smudging is a customarily Native American ceremony that is used as a way to create a cleansing smoke bath to purify the energy of a personal space, as well as remove any negative energies that may be present. It's also considered a way to center and heal your body. I felt like anything that would work. Blessings, smudgings, feng shui, whatever it was, I felt like I needed to do it to try to clear out what had happened, to try to make this house free of any negativity and free of the memories of the past trauma that had happened so recently. The party was a wonderful step in my healing process, and it gave me a great sense of hope and a feeling of empowerment in my life. I did all sorts of renovations over the years, and I really came to love that house, and I had such a great sense of serenity. My backyard was a wonderful place. I built a courtyard, and I did a lot of gardening, and I really felt like I was the master of my home, and I was the master of the memories that I was going to allow to live in it. I stayed living in that house for 16 years. People in the beginning said, there's no way you'll ever stay in that house. And many people wondered why I stayed in that house. But I think one of the main reasons was that it was easy for me to make that house my home because I'd only lived in the house for two weeks. And I had not even unpacked most of the boxes. So I didn't have any memories in that house. And so... I was able to rebuild new memories, wonderful memories. I was able to make that house what I wanted it to be, not what someone else tried to make it be for me. One of the other reasons was that I wasn't going to allow him to win. He tried to ruin my life, and he had ruined other people's lives in the past, and I wasn't going to let him do it to me. I wasn't going to let him ruin one more moment of my life than the few moments that he had. It was important for me to feel like I could reclaim my own life. And one of the most important things that I learned during this process is that often in life, you cannot choose what happens to you, but you can always choose how you let it affect you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story. The Will to Survive is an 11-part series about how a traumatic event changed the course of my life and my road to recovery. If you'd like to learn more about my story, please visit my website at www.thewilltosurvive.com. 
That's thewillnumber2survive.com. Mm-hmm.